trust, to worship you, to stretch our faith and trusting in you, to gather for worship, to hear your word, to sing your praises, to fellowship and to pray. We thank you for this time. Please be with me as I preach your word. May my words be your words, and we pray that those words would impact your people for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, As we did this morning, I'm going to read the whole book of Jonah, um, particularly because it is a short book, and it it won't take that long to read. And, And just to give you an overview of the book of Jonah, and it's, it is a good story many of you have heard before, so, so let's read along. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come. Let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us, on whose account this evil has come upon us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. 
Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. And call out against its, it the message I, that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey. And he called out, yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry and he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. 
And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? It's a great story, and it's many said a whale of a story, um, which it's, <clears throat> it's interesting that, you know, most of our, our um, ideas of Jonah and our understanding of Jonah come from Sunday school classes. And um, the miraculous, the, the, the whale, which <clears throat> the, the Bible doesn't say anything about a whale. Even in Hebrew, that, that is fish. That is, there, there's another Hebrew term for whale. It's not used. It, it, it's fish. Um, and oftentimes, uh, you know, many, many people throughout church history have um, viewed this as allegory, as, as almost like a, an object lesson for us. Um, but <clears throat> the Word of God is clear, and, and, and even Jesus... Um, himself used Jonah as an object lesson to the people he preached to. He, he saw it as scripture. He saw it as real, actual, historical events that happened in, in the life of Jonah. And uh, he used it as an example to the people he preached to. And, and you know, if, if we're honest with ourselves, um, I'm sure that every one of us can identify a little bit with Jonah and the things that were going on in his life, and his disobedience, his unwillingness to go to the people of Nineveh. And, and, and there's a lot of, as we go through this book in, in the coming weeks and months, um, we'll see the depth to that. And, and there's a lot of lessons to draw out from the book of Jonah, and, and I believe that's why God sent Jonah um, to Nineveh, and um, not just to save those people, um, and to show his compassion and mercy, but also to give us um, an example, a lesson of his compassion and his mercy for sinners. <coughs> and as I was studying, um, you know, this book and, and preparing to, uh, you know, preach it, uh, you know, there's three main themes which, which popped out to me. It's not so much the whale or the fish, <laughs> literally, um, or, or Jonah. But there, there was, there's three main themes that popped out to me um, concerning um, the book of Jonah and what, what it's actually about. Um, a, a, as an overview, as we look at the whole book, um, the book of Jonah is first and foremost about an Old Testament prophet. It's about an Old Testament prophet. Thank you. Particularly, it's about a disobedient prophet. Um, we, we see that clearly, that, that Jonah clearly disobeys the call of God. 
Uh, and, and so much so it, it, that there is, there is contrasts throughout, big contrasts throughout the book of Jonah. Um, God calls Jonah to go um, from Israel to Nineveh to go um, essentially east. And, and, and Nineveh is quite a bit a ways east of, of Israel. And, and yet he decides to go west. And Tarshish is almost as far west in the ancient world as you could go. Many scholars, they, they don't know exactly where it is, but they believe it was near the Rock of Gibraltar, near Spain, um, southern Spain. It, it's pretty much as far west as you could go. Um, so God calls him to go east to Nineveh. He goes west. Um, and it shows us that, you know, Jonah is not just disobedient. But the book of Jonah shows us that prophets are people too. You know, they're, they're, and you can read many of the prophets in the Old Testament and, and uh, some more than others show the faults and the failures and the sins of the prophets. But, but Jonah, more than all the other prophets, um, shows us that, that he is a sinner. He is a sinner. He is disobedient. He has um, sinful inclinations. He, he resists the will of God. Um, so much so that he, he does the exact opposite of what God is calling him to do. And his disobedience is such that he's able to sleep, be sound asleep in the midst of a storm, a tempestuous storm, not just where there's waves rocking the boat, but very much slamming against the boat, about to break it up. Everybody's fearful, everybody else is fearful for their lives, but Jonah is fast asleep. And sometimes, um, you know, our disobedience, our, our stubborn disobedience can lead to that, that depression, that despair, that, that sense of, of just being able to sleep in, in the midst of anything. Um, and that's what Jonah does. So the book of Jonah is about an Old Testament prophet, particularly a disobedient prophet, but it's also about the office and calling of a prophet. That as we consider Jonah, um, we're also forced to, to consider um, his calling and his office as a prophet of the, God, uh, of the Most High God and, and consider the other prophets, to compare him against the other prophets and, and, and just to um, consider that you know, the office of a prophet was to proclaim the word of God to his people. That, that, that's his, his sole um, mission, his sole function is to proclaim the word of God. Um, and, and Jonah did function in that office and calling before um, this book. Before he was called to go to the Ninevites, he, he did function as a prophet to the people of God, but but now God is calling him to go to the Ninevites. And sometimes, um, as we look at the other prophets, that does happen. The, the Old Testament prophets were primarily called to, um, to speak on behalf of God to God's people. But God also called them to speak to the peoples around, them, around Israel. 
And, and this, this calling is slightly different from an Old Testament priest because an Old Testament priest is a mediator between God and man, offers sacrifices, to, um, works in part of the sacrificial um, system of worship um, for Israel in the Old Testament. Um, and, and priests did teach, they, they did speak for God, but primarily those who spoke for God were the prophets. They were the voice of God to God's people. And, and, and their, their function, their, the words that they were called to speak, for the most part, were of repentance. To call the people to repentance and, and to covenant faithfulness. And we, we can look at the Old Testament and, and see that um, the prophets were called more and more as, as Israel went astray. And probably the first prophet in the Old Testament was, was Moses, clearly Moses. And, and, then, and then after Moses, Samuel. And then after Samuel, more and more prophets started to be called as, as Israel became more and more disobedient. God sent more and more prophets to them to call them to repent, to call them to um, obey God, to warn of God's judgment to, to his people. <coughs> but as Peter says in his, his epistle, that judgment begins at the household of God. And so the prophets warned of God's judgment to his people, and called them to repent, but judgment doesn't end at the household of God. It extends outward. It begins at the household of God because um, God's people uh, receive God's revelation, His light, and so we're 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 accountable to that. We don't have an excuse. the The Ninevites, um, even as God says, they 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 don't know their right hand from their left hand, and they knew their right. Literally, they did know their right hand from their left hand, but he's talking about morally, spiritually, um, in the things that really matter. They, they were so um, entrapped in sin, so caught up in sin and bondage that they were in darkness. They didn't know their purpose, their function. They didn't know who God was. They were worshiping false gods. And, and, and this is what happens to people who are in darkness, who are outside of the revelation of God. And for those of us who have received the revelation of God, the word of God, we are accountable to it. And because we are accountable to it, judgment begins here. Because we have the word of God. But then judgment extends out to the rest of the world. And so the prophets were called first to the people of God. And then they are to prophesy to the peoples around. And if we look in, for instance, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah prophesies to everybody, and he prophesies judgment, and, and <clears throat> it's almost like everybody's getting it. He, he's calling out judgment to all the nations, but beginning with Israel. He also calls it at the end, it, Isaiah talks about God's uh, mercy and his grace and his salvation, and, and so that, that was the office and calling of the prophet. To, to speak on behalf of God, to speak about God's judgment, about His holiness, about His justice, about His law, but also about His mercy and His grace that He's willing to forgive you if you turn and repent and come to Him. And, and this was Jonah's calling. 
This was Jonah's calling. And so the book of Jonah is about an Old Testament prophet. It's about a disobedient prophet. It's about the office and calling of a prophet. But what sticks out to us most is the discipline, repentance, and restoration of a prophet. That we see his disobedience, and then right away we see God's discipline. And that shows us that none of God's people are above his law. No matter what our calling or office or status or position within um, the context of the church or God's people, and throughout the history of the church and throughout the history of the Old Testament, we can see no one is above God's law. No one has special privileges. We're, we're all called to obey his law, to obey his calling. And if he gives us dangerous instructions, then we are to obey that. And the book of Jonah shows us that. It shows us by the discipline of Jonah. It also shows us that anybody, anybody can be used by God. And this, this revival, the repentance of the Ninevites, is, is perhaps the greatest revival in all of history. There was approximately 600,000 people in Nineveh at that time, and, and the book of Jonah tells us that they all repented. Massive revival. And Jonah didn't have a long message. He, he wasn't so much this, this eloquent um, preacher, he just says, 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. It, it, it was almost like a sentence that he repeated over and over again, and they repented. And it wasn't because of Jonah, it was because of the Spirit of God working through Jonah that brought about this, this revival. I mean, you, you look at um, the prophet Jeremiah, <clears throat> and Jeremiah, you know, word for word, um, Jeremiah is probably one of the, the longest books in the Old Testament, or at least the longest of the prophets. And as far as most scholars believe, Jeremiah didn't have any converts. And yet he was faithful. He was faithful and, and, and he lamented and, and the things he saw of God's people. And, and then here's Jonah, he's disobedient. He doesn't even want to go. And then he eventually goes and then great revival breaks out. <laughs> so God can you are the light of the world a city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven it, that God has saved us for good works. He saved us that we are to be a light to the world. We, we, we're not to put our, our lamp under a basket, but we're to let it shine, and, and we're to proclaim the glories of God. We're, we're, we're also commanded to be imitators of God. Uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Back to Ephesians chapter 5. And in, in the second half of Ephesians, you know, Paul explains how we are to live as saints. And, and he, he, he goes through um, how the, the church is to function. And then in Ephesians 4, he talks about 
um, the put off, put on principle and, and all these commands about how we are to live our lives. And then he gets to chapter five and he says, therefore, be imitators of God. We are to be imitators of God, of Jesus Christ, uh, of proclaiming his gospel and, and throughout um, many parts of the Old Testament. And even Jonah says this, that God is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And, and so if we are to be imitators of God, we are to be merciful and gracious to others, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, showing the love of God to others. So the, the, the book of Jonah is about us. It's, it's about us as saints with a calling, that like Jonah was called to go proclaim um, repentance and, and salvation to the Ninevites. So we are called to the people around us to proclaim the gospel. We are called out of the world to glorify God. We are commanded to be imitators of God. And so we are, we are saints with a calling. But we're also, the, the book of Jonah is also about us as sinners with inclinations. That like Jonah, we have inclinations. We have inclinations to transgress God's commands. Um, that's part of our flesh that wars um, against us, that, that drags us down, that we have these selfish, selfish inclinations within all of us to do what we desire, to, do, to um, order our lives and our schedules and our world um, for our own um, desires and, and not God's will. And so we're, we're inclined to transgress God's clear commands as Jonah did. We're inclined to resist God's will as Jonah did. And, and this, is, this is what I said at the beginning. If you're really honest with yourself, you, you should be able to identify with Jonah. Because, you know, it, it, it's easy to see... Jonah's disobedience. And some of us, we, we don't really understand um, the weight and the, uh, of the task that he was given. That <clears throat> Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. It was, it was Israel's enemy at that time. And, and it could, it loomed large over Israel. And it could have swallowed up Israel at any, any point. Uh, and, and not only that, but the Ninevites, they, they were ruthless. When, when, they, when they conquered peoples, they, they tortured them ruthlessly. Um, there, there's historical accounts of them um, skinning people alive and using their skins as lampshades. Um, this is, there, there's really no parallel in our day and age. Uh, it, it could almost be... Um, a comparison could almost be made, you know, as if God called you, say, go to North Korea, go to Pyongyang and proclaim the gospel. Go to Tehran, go to Iran and proclaim the gospel to those people, call them to repent. And yes, God doesn't speak audibly to us. He's given us his word. We have the Bible, uh, but there are clear commands here. And if we're honest with ourselves, we should be able to identify with that, with Jonah. 
that yes, he, what he did was sin, and yes, it was disobedience, but that was a high calling. That was a dangerous mission that Jonah was given. And Jonah shows his, his heart, that his heart was not right. He would rather see the Ninevites destroyed and, and, and cast into hell. And, and even when they did repent, he was still angry. He was still upset. He still wanted to see them crushed and go to hell. And, and, and so much so that he pouted. He pouted throughout the whole, whole book, throughout the whole narrative, the whole story. He pouted and he complained and he was angry. But if we're honest with ourselves, if we were given that task, um, we, might, we could have done the same thing. We, we could have resisted. And, and, and so, you know, the book of Jonah is about us as saints with a calling, as sinners with inclinations. And, and we have inclinations to transgress God's commands, to resist his will. But we also have inclinations to blame shift and to make excuses for our sin. It's kind of Jonah did. Um, and as I said, yeah, we... We, we might say, I, you know, I don't think God would have me do this or that. If I were Jonah, I would have obeyed. Um, God hasn't told me X, Y, or Z. <clears throat> but turn with me for a moment to Second Peter. Back to Second Peter. And uh, this is a key verse, you know, to... Key passage to quote to our Pentecostal brothers and sisters. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 17, or actually 16 to 19. Peter writes, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in the dark place until the day dawns, and the morning star rises in your hearts. What, what Peter is saying here, he's talking about the transfiguration when he was with James and John on the mountain and saw Jesus transfigured. And he heard the very voice of God saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. But in verse 19, Peter says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention. And what Peter is saying is, is, is that this word of God that we have in our hands, this Bible, is better than the vision and the experience that he had on that mountain. It is more fully confirmed. It is more sure that as Peter, James, and John were on that mountain, they could potentially say, did I really see that? 
Did I really hear that in their own subjective minds? But we, we can't say that with the Word of God. We can't say that with the Bible. It is clear. It is, it is written down for us. It is more fully confirmed. So as I said, with any of our Pentecostal brethren who, who, who say that they heard something or that they heard God talk to them, you say, we have the Bible, and this is all we need. And there are clear commands in here for us to follow. And we can make excuses saying that I don't think God would have me do X, Y, or Z, or if I were Jonah, I would have done this. Or, um, But there are clear commands. And sometimes we can act like Jonah, even though we don't have this, this um, dangerous mission. God has commanded us, husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, obey your parents. Love your enemies. Love your neighbor. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There are clear commands in the New Testament that we are called to obey. And we have no excuse. And oftentimes we are like Jonah. where You know what? I, I don't want to go across the street and talk to my neighbor. I don't want to say hi to them. I, I don't want to be um, friendly. I don't want to show love. I'd rather go the other way and go into my house and go into my living room and watch my TV. I, I don't want to obey my boss. I, I don't want to work heartily unto the Lord. I, I, I'd rather do my work my way. And so, like Jonah, we go the, in the opposite direction, rather than obeying God's clear commands. It, it, it reminds me of, and, and he's sleeping now, so I can say this, um, my, 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 my firstborn, John, um, when I was in seminary, I, I remember a time, and, and it was towards the end of the semester, and... and uh, I had all these papers and stuff to do, and, and, and I'm getting home, and, and it, you know we had dinner, and, and now it's time to clean up and put him to bed, and hopefully, I'm hoping that maybe I can get him to bed early enough that maybe I can squeeze in a few hours of, of work, and, and then maybe I can get four or five hours of sleep before I have to go back to school, and, and I'm trying to get him to clean up, and he's about two or three years old, and I'm like, Come on, let's go, let's go, let's clean up, let's get our toys. And he, and he says, but I don't want to. And I say, well, come on, let's pay, but I don't want to. And he keeps on saying, but I don't want to. And, and, and it almost, right then, <laughs> it convicts me because I'm thinking of all the papers that I have to um, write and the, the books that I have to read, and I'm thinking, but I don't want to. But I don't want to. And oftentimes, in our, if we're honest with ourselves, we, we say that. We say, we say we know what we're supposed to do as Christians, and we say, but I don't want to. But I don't want to. I'm not going to do that. I, I want to live my life my way. And so the book of Jonah is, is about us as sinners, that, that we are oftentimes like Jonah. We, we say, but I don't want to. I don't want to, God. I want to, I want to live life my, my way. I want to do what I want to do. And, and, and it shows us that, that, you know, we're not much better than Jonah. But it also shows us that 
you know, Jonah isn't much better than the people around him. You know, as he's called to proclaim um, repentance and, and salvation to these people, you know, they're, they're almost quicker to obey than he is. Jonah isn't much better than the sailors or the Ninevites, though he thinks he is. He thinks because he's, he's a Hebrew, because he's an Israelite, because he's, he's part of the, the chosen race, so to speak, a, a, a child of Abraham, that, that he is arrogant, and, and in a sense, he's racist. He'd rather see these people go to hell than, than that they would know God. He thinks he's, he's better than them, but they're not, they're not much worse than he is. In fact, they're, they're quicker to turn than he is. And, and we can see this in, in their, their quickness to repent. So the, the book of Jonah, it's about an Old Testament prophet, primarily about a disobedient prophet. But it's also about us as sinners, sinners from a sinful race, that, that we all need the grace and, and mercy of God. And, and apart from the grace and mercy of God, we're no better than anybody else. And, but most importantly, not only is the book of Jonah about the, the prophet and about us, but the book of Jonah, first and foremost, is about God. It's about the character of God. And, and as this narrative unfolds, we see the character of God. We, we see his power and his authority. We see his, his ability to call and speak through prophets to, to others. We, we see that, that he's able to use the most disobedient, most stubborn, most um, cantankerous person to do his will. To, to bring about such great goodness, um, repentance and faith in the life of the Ninevites. We, we see his power and authority to command his creation to do his will. As Jonah tries to run as, as fast as he can and as far as he can, God commands the sea to, to, um, to foam and to rage. He, he commands a fish. To, to swallow up Jonah and then to spit him back out in, in, in the direction he's supposed to go. He commands even the, the Ninevites to repent and believe. Um, we see his power to bring about revival whenever and wherever he pleases. You know, a, a lot throughout church history, um, and rightfully so, many churches, many Christians have prayed for revival. <clears throat> But God brings revival whenever and wherever he pleases. And sometime there can be uh, many, many years until we see revival. But revival can pop up whenever. And so we're to pray for that. We're to work towards that end. So the book of Jonah is about God's power and authority to, to bring about all these things. It's about his providence. To use the ship, the sea, and the sailors to show Jonah's disobedience that as he goes down into the belly of the ship and then is thrown out into the sea and goes down into the belly of the fish and his providence to, 
to even use the sailors to confront him. His providence to use Israel's greatest enemy and threat at the time to shame Israel. This is, in a sense, um, a, a, an act of, of shaming Israel because Israel is supposed to be a witness nation. They were supposed to, um, to live in such a way that the peoples around them would see um, their obedience and their lifestyle and say, how great is this God? And were to come to Israel. But, but Israel did not act like that. And so God brings revival to the Ninevites, to their enemy. To bring shame upon them and is like, listen, I, I can make anyone my people. And I can pour out grace and mercy and love on anyone I please. And I can use anyone I please. I can use a disobedient prophet to bring about this great revival. And so we, we see the, the book of Jonah is about God, about his power and authority, about his providence. And, and even this, this narrative that he has set up providentially was used by Jesus in his preaching as an example to the people who would not repent and believe. And he said, the people of Nineveh will rise up at the, ju at the judgment and condemn you because they repented at the preaching of, of Jonah. And I tell you, a greater than Jonah is here. And they would not repent. It's used as an example of, of, of Jesus' own death and burial. That Jesus said, just as Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the earth. This, is, this book is about God's power and authority, about his providence, but mainly it's about his character, his holiness and justice. His patience and faithfulness. I mean, his patience with Jonah. In allowing Jonah to disobey and to run. And, and yet he was still faithful with Jonah to use him. And Jonah is his. And even to show Jonah object lessons, a, a huge object lesson of his grace and mercy and his compassion and his faithfulness. He, even with the plant, as he brought the plant up, as Jonah was pouting and, and, and he went outside the city hoping to actually see a fireworks display, hoping that God would actually um, call down fire and destroy Nineveh. And he's sitting on the hill and, and pouting and, and, and God graciously brings up this plant to give him shade, to show him that, that I, I, I am gracious, I am merciful. Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He, he shows even his patience with the pagan sailors it, it, as he sent Jonah to them. I mean, look at chapter 1, verse 16. <clears throat> as they, actually, starting in verse 14, because the, the pagan sailors, they, they were calling out to their false gods. And yet when they realized what happened, they, they called out to the Lord, the one true God. And they said, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. And they picked him up and they hurled him in the sea. And then it says in verse 16, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. 
They repented. They repented and they believed. And, and I believe that you will see these pagan sailors in heaven. That, that God used the sailors and the ship to, to, um, as a form of discipline to Jonah. But he also sent Jonah to the sailors. That they would repent and believe. That's just a sidebar in the in the story. That that these sailors they they repented and believed because of Jonah because of his disobedience. And we see God's patience and faithfulness with the Ninevites. We see His mercy and grace towards just about everybody in this narrative, in this this story, towards the sailors, towards the Ninevites, towards Jonah. We, we see his mercy and his grace towards mankind. And, and, and not only that, but we see God's mercy and grace towards his creation. Towards animals. At the end of Jonah, it, it says in chapter 4, verse 11, <clears throat> it says, And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. Cattle. And that term right there, that Hebrew term, it's not just cows. It's kind of a generic term for beasts, for, for cattle, for livestock. So it could mean all the different types of livestock, donkeys and sheep and goats and and cows and and, and all the animals in Nineveh, that, that God had mercy upon them, upon his creation. That even as Jesus said, you know, not a sparrow will fall from the, fly, from the sky apart from God's will. And, and how much of more value are you? So God shows mercy and grace towards mankind towards nations but also towards animals he truly is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love that 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 is our god that is the nature and character of our god and and the book of jonah shows that but it also shows us that we are to be representatives faithful representatives of our god and and we are to be merciful and gracious towards others so as as we dig deeper into the 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 book of jonah throughout the coming weeks and months i I hope that that we would see more about the character of god and and even be convicted about our own sin and and our own inclination to disobey and and that we would be more obedient and, and, and that we would be faithful representatives of our god that we would be merciful and gracious to others that we would be slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, that we were, would love our neighbors as ourselves and, and even our enemies, and that we would proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, that we would take advantage of those opportunities, which, as Jonah, there is always that our, our sinful flesh, um, it, it shows itself when those opportunities to do good or those opportunities to proclaim the gospel come about. We know there's resistance. There's resistance in our own flesh that we, you know, 
we're all about evangelism and doing good works until that opportunity comes, and, and then we can think of a hundred things we'd rather be doing in the moment. But we have to fight against our flesh and be like, no, we, we will obey God, and we will follow, and we, we will be faithful representatives of him and show um, this person in front of me mercy and grace and love and kindness and, and explain to them the kindness that has been shown to us in Jesus Christ. So with that, I, I hope that, that this is a benefit to us because even for me, it, it's always a benefit. Every time I read through Jonah or, or just hear the name of Jonah, it, it, it convicts me, but it also encourages me about the nature of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this book. We thank you for how you used Jonah in, in many ways. Even though he was disobedient, even though he was sinful, even though he was reluctant and hesitant, and even angry after seeing your grace and mercy towards the Ninevites. It is a great lesson to us of how we are to be, but more importantly of who you are and how you are towards your creation, that you are merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Help us to be faithful representatives of you in our lives and the people we interact with. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.